It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. It's Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion punter Jeff Fiegels. And we'll be with you for the next hour to talk Giants football. Our phone number is 973-667-1960. You can also find us on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. And find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. Now remember, folks, tomorrow is Good Friday, so the office is closed. That means our studio is also closed. There will be no show on Friday, April 2nd. And this is not an April Fool's joke, even though I know it's <laughs> April 1st. Okay, Jeff, just so no you know, jokes. I'm not goofing around. Oh, there is no show around. tomorrow. Do you, you got it? You never goof around, Tino. anyways. You're boring. Blah. Yeah. All right. No show tomorrow. Now that we got that straight, uh, we start today's show by continuing our draft preview of lead prospects in the NFL draft. And today we are joined by former LSU defensive back and now radio sideline reporter for the Tigers, Gordy Rush. Gordy, thanks so much for taking the time today. We hope all is well. Hello, Gordy. Anytime, guys. It's uh, certainly an honor to be on the uh, podcast with you. Well, we've been with you before and enjoyed uh, so many of your comments about LSU's prospects. And I suspect that Jamar Chase, the wide receiver who is coming out this year, may be a guy that you uh, can't gloat enough about because he is something special. Yeah, he is. You know, uh, I'm from New Orleans, and, and there's a uh, number of Catholic League schools down there. They actually play in a district called the Catholic League. And so I had a chance to see him in high school. He was uh, came out of Archbishop uh, Rummel High School, had an incredible career, was committed to Florida for the longest time. LSU finally flipped him, and, and gratefully, uh, thankfully, rather, uh, LSU did that. Uh, he's a complete package. I mean, when you, when you think about that, um, he was a more honored in 2019. He won the Blitnikoff, and, and he was the, the lead receiver on a team that featured Justin Jefferson with the Minnesota Vikings, and then Terrence Marshall, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, and, and you know, and Chase was the guy. Uh, he's fantastic. Uh, can run all the routes. Uh, is physical, and is an incredible athlete. And we saw yesterday ran a four three eight forty. Yeah, and. Uh... You know, he just he looks like he like you said, he's got Gordy the whole package. One thing I, I've known about him and you know, talking about uh a receiver that really kinda he you know he's gonna belong in the National Football League right away. Um I know he yeah. tracks the ball very good and gets off the line of scrimmage, he's physical like you said. What are some of the other attributes um that you would say that you like about uh Jamar and, and some of the things that you think that he'll bring to the next team that he's with? No, I tell you the he, he was uh, one of the leaders of that football team and uh, tremendous work ethic, um, no issues w- whatsoever uh, off the football field. I uh, know his dad, Jimmy, really, really well. So you're getting a high character guy to go with it. But uh, what, what I love is just the physicality. I mean, you, you get in, uh, you know, especially those with Burrow and as, as much as LSU spread the field. And I know what the Giants are building there. Um, uh, you know, if you, you get a guy like that that's on the field, he's going to get one-on-one. He's going to be the size, you know, he's going to have that size differential. And he's going to be so physical in the run game as well. I mean, that mm-hmm. that, that offense featured Clyde Edwards-Elair. 
and uh, you know, and Clyde, Clyde, so many times was able to break off long runs because those receivers blocked for him. LSU uh, sideline reporter and former defensive back Gordy Rush joining us on the program today to talk about the LSU Tigers who are entering the draft. I don't think we really need to say much more about Chase. It's already kind of been said, so we know he's not going to get to the Giants at 11, Gordy. There's no way he's dropping below the top five picks. Mm -hmm. I mean, really? is there? I mean, you don't see it, right? Well, no, I think the storyline is going to be Cincinnati. You know Burrow wants him, but Burrow needs some protection or he's not going to finish the season again next year. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, I, I, he's not going to get to 11, but, boy, if he did, I mean, he, he again, he's fantastic. All right, so I got a question for you about the other receiver you just brought up, Terrence Marshall, who at 6'4", certainly a bigger frame, taller guy, skyscraper, uh, love his, his ability to get the 50-50 ball and the contested catch. I think if the Giants had not signed Kenny Galladay, I don't yeah, know if he yeah. would have gotten to 42, but had he gotten to 42, I would have been begging for him. Yeah, I don't think he gets to 42, not after yesterday. He ran a 4.38 as well, too. You know, I, I think about Marshall. Um, he, he had a great first half of this season, but two things. He, he was injured, broke his leg in high school, uh, and so he, he, it took him a while to get to 100% at LSU. And, and once he was finally on the field and, and a part of that group, he had Marshall. He had, uh, you know, obviously Marshall and Jefferson. They had so many weapons. They had the tight end, uh, Dad Moss, Randy Moss's kid, who was a great college mm-hmm. tight end. And, of course, they had those running backs, and it became about touches for him. And he also got hurt during that 2019 season. It was a high ankle sprain at Vanderbilt early in the season. So he missed a, a decent part of that middle stretch and, uh, and, and then came back later and had a great touchdown pass uh, reception against Clemson. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't see. I think he's a late one, early two, and and four three eight. I think makes it interesting. I know Baltimore is at the end of the draft, and they may be looking for for a receiver, but he doesn't have, I think, the explosion per se that Chase has. And I mean, that's, I mean, I'm nitpicking at this point. But he's taller, <laughs> he's longer, and and what he really did prove this year, that I think, was the question mark about him. It was, did, did he, number one, did he have another gear? And he proved that. He ran away from a lot of defenders this year. And, and then secondly, was he more than just, you know, an X or a wide, uh, a wide out guy that, that somebody you would go throw the long ball to? And he, so he, he certainly was better as a route runner and came more of a complete receiver. And, and so a notch below Chase, but I think can, can still be an outstanding pro with that size. Um, real quickly on Terrace, you know, in 2019, I'm seeing here that he played the outside receiver position. But last year, a majority of his uh, of his reps came from the slot position. So you know, right. quite a target for a six foot three, six foot four guy from the slot receiver position. Um, what was the situation with that? Was it something by design that with the offense they wanted to match ups, or what was the deal with that? Yeah. So two years ago, Joe Brady, you know, came down with came actually up from New Orleans with Sean Payton's offense. Mm-hmm. And you know a lot of similarities, a lot of uh, uh, you know a lot of three, four, three wides, uh, a lot of five receiver routes. You know I think is is kind of the best way to describe a uh, with the running back always flaring out like Alvin Kamara did, and Clyde Edwards-Helaire did a great job of that. And, and so what happened? A lot of times, Sean and, and then Brady in, in nineteen they liked the, the two person route, and that's the running back, and, and usually it was Chase. If it went the other way. 
um, Jefferson played the slot in 2019, so Marshall was the on the on the same side a lot of times with Jefferson, and he was just stretching the field, and, and so he, he was rarely the one or the two option in that. And, and Moss was the checkdown tight end. The Saints always put that that checkdown right in front of the center, so the quarterback has a clear line of sight. And and so uh, it just didn't get the the attempts with that. So they moved him inside, uh, ran a similar offense. Of course, Burrow was gone. And they, they, they got a lot of touches to, to, uh, to Marshall out of the slot. He really was effective. Uh, and, and I think that was the, you know, they kind of told him on that and wanted him to come back. We're going to give you the chance to get your touches. And then on the other side, they had a true freshman tight end, Eric Gilbert, who since then is in the transfer portal and had left. But they really worked the center of the football field with a young, a younger quarterback, inexperienced quarterback in Miles Brennan. And, and I, I think they did a nice job while Marshall was playing, of, of working him in the slot. Now, a guy who didn't get many reps because of all of the skill position players that the Tigers were able to put on the field was Racy McMath, who, yeah. according to the measurables, Gordy, at 6'3", 224, late third day, certainly priority free agent if he doesn't get drafted, somebody is going to want to take a look at him to be a role player in the NFL, don't you think? Yeah, you know, and I think that... It, I, he's a role player, and I think there's a, a space for him. I like him more in the H-back in that, that spot. In fact, there was uh, a game in 2019 in which he had two touchdowns or two huge catches against Mississippi State um, because of what State was doing defensively. They were running brackets and trying to cover the, cover the tight end all over the field with the middle linebacker, so they pulled Moss out and, and put McMath there. Look, I, I mean, real simple, McMath, he, and then he pulled his hamstring this year uh, early in the season as well, so so he didn't get to have the senior year that, that he wanted to have. He's fantastic talent, um, maybe a little lighter version of Ingram, you know, the, the, what he was able to do at Ole Miss. Uh, but he he's, he he can go out and go play wide with that speed, and, and again, he ran in, in the four three four four range yesterday as well. I, I think he's a steal. He just again he was part of the stack offense with not only. Uh, you know, not only great receivers, but a great collegiate tight end and running backs, and it was, it was just hard to get him touching. So, uh, Gordy, again, thanks for joining us today. Um, you know, one of the players that a lot of people have been talking about recently, and this is a guy that really didn't play much at LSU until his uh, last year. I know that he came over from um, the FCS uh, circuit at North Dakota State is Jabril Cox. Um, another great workout yesterday, and I think his stock has really gone up uh, in this draft, tell us a little bit about him. Tell him what's what is unique yep. about Jabril and uh, where you feel he's going to land in the draft uh, coming up in about a month. You know, incredible athlete. I think similar athletically to, to Debo Jones down in Atlanta. I don't think he, he's not as thick as Jones, and I think he's got to play on the outside. And it's almost, I think he starts off in those third down packages. He's the guy that you feel really comfortable with him being on the field. He was excellent in pass coverage. Uh, had had some pick sixes this year, and um, you know my my question was how's he gonna how's he going to perform in between the tackles right and and so that was uh, LSU was not great run they weren't great defensively period this year but he was one of the the certainly standouts this year and I think that's one of the questions uh, about him I, I, how well is he going to play the run game between the tackles side to sideline he can run and he absolutely is an asset on third down. I kind of saw some some of the tape on him, Gordy. Tell me if I'm wrong here. 
I like him as a strong side linebacker in the NFL because I think he's going to be able to cover tight ends one-on-one. Oh, no question. Oh, no question. And uh, we were cheated um, that uh, God bless me, guys, here. Um, you, you guys are covering this year around. I get to take a break in the spring, but the tight end for Florida, Pitts. I was looking forward to that, and they held Pitts out when we played down there against Florida. But now there's no doubt he was able to cover and run with verticals. And um, uh, in terms of pass coverage and running sideline and sideline, fantastic. I, I think the, those scouts are going to dig in and look at him. How is he handling the run game and taking on linemen uh, that are running the, running right at him? And that, that's my question. Yeah, he can cover tight ends, no question. All right, I got a guy on defense I need to ask you about because <laughs> he sticks out. Well, yeah, he sticks out on the field the second you look outside uh, <laughs> outside the portal from the stadium. Uh, Tyler Shelvin, yep. I, I look at him as this, this mammoth phone booth plugger who was just going to be stuck in the middle of that defensive line. I know he opted out. I know he's had weight fluctuation yep. issues. Could you tell me where where you think uh, his his future is going to lie? Because if he has some discipline and gets himself a little bit more sculpted, boy, he could be a real force for somebody on first and second down. Yeah, you guys hit on the question marks. You know, it, it's been it's been discipline, it's been consistency, uh, weight control. It was weight control coming out of high school. You know, and and he didn't get on the field. It took him a while to get on the field, but he was outstanding. In 2019, Bill Johnson, the uh, long NFL veteran, was with the Saints, with the Rams. He came through uh, for a two-year stint and, and really did a good, good job developing Tyler Shelton. And he came back, as everybody did COVID-wise, there were people that struggled with fitness. And uh, you know, obviously the, the LSU wasn't happy where he was weight-wise, and he decided to opt out. And, and a lot of people were talking about 438s and, and 4.3s that Kerry uh, Vincent Jr. in. But the, uh, you know, a lot of the guys on my sports radio station said the the the, the most important number was Tyler Shelvin checked in at three fifty. <laughs> if he can check in at three fifty, that's a positive sign. Unbelievable talent. Uh, it, it's it's going to be you know getting him in the room and and having that heart to heart, and you're going to have to feel comfortable with him. He's going to have to answer some hard questions, and, and it, truthfully, he underperformed for for what his talent level is and what he could be, and and that. Um, you know, it's well documented. Ogeron, you know, talked about uh, my favorite story. Ogeron, he's so so. Shelvin's from Lafayette, which is Cajun country, and he called his mom and he said, "Do me a favor. When you serve this boy gumbo, take the rice out. He doesn't need any more rice." <laughs> you know, I mean, it, that, it's got that sort of documentation. Somebody can Google that in New York, and they're going to bring the gumbo story up in that one-on-one interview. Well, if he comes to New York, he'd be okay. They don't serve a lot of gumbo around here, so he might be okay. So, uh, but you know, know he looks that, like but... just a big boy. I mean, uh, where where did he play? Like, was he a, a two gap, or where, where did he play on that on that LSU line last year? So you know, so Dave Aranda, Dave Aranda was more of a three four guy, right? So they played him in the nose, but you know, heck, everybody in this day, everybody's running nickel. So they moved him around. He's got great feet for mm-hmm. for a kid his size. He's fun, obviously very, very strong with that, moves laterally really well. He could play either. He's versatile. It's not as if he's a true nose guard. Played some nose, but when they they went to some four-man looks, they were able to kick him out a little bit. It was effective there, too. Nice. Well, I think the other guy who I'm probably a bit curious about, again, later rounds, Kerry Vincent, your corner, who uh, I see as a slot corner. I understand he took some snaps at free safety. 
He's going to need some help on his technique, Gordy. I think you probably need to sit down with him and tell him to clean up some <laughs> of that handwork because he gets a little sloppy with that. But right. uh, what, what do you see his future looking like? He's a nickel. He's a nickel back. Um, and, and, yeah, I think, you know, in the DB room, you can put him anywhere in the field. I think his size becomes a concern. You know, in the league, he's, he's Tyron Matthews' size. Um, but um, great speed. Um, he is, uh, he's got that attitude. He's a competitor. He's going to get in there and fight. And um, it's been feast and famine. You know, I remember Dernavey, the uh, receiver with Texas in 2019, torched him. Had a hard day on that surface. Uh, Texas picked him apart. But uh, he got better as the season went on and, and really had a nice year. Uh, nickel wise his dad passed away I, I think two years ago and, and so he's gone through he's, he's from over in the Beaumont Texas area if I'm not mistaken so he went through some uh, a- adversity and I was a little surprised that, that he, he did pull out this year because um, you know he would he would have seen even more time with, with uh, the, the, the assortment of uh, defensive backs that they had this year I know they had a, they have a lot of true uh, freshmen but to, to see him in the nickel I think he would, would have really benefited but Tremendous talent, uh, probably third day selection, but somebody definitely that, that that can cover man to man. That's his specialty, and for his size, he's not afraid to deliver a blow. Blow. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody else who we did not get to who you think deserves a little bit more attention going into the draft, even if the guy turns out to be a sleeper as a free agent, undrafted rookie? Go through your list real quick for me, because I'm thinking off the top of my head. You, we talked about Racy McMath. Well, I absolutely think I think for the an offensive coordinator, you can get really creative with him. And what I did mention about Racing McMath, outstanding special teams player, so he, mm. he's gonna he's gonna deliver with that. So um, that's probably uh, probably a wor- definitely for for me. Uh, I'd have to go look at the special teams film if I was looking at McMath because that that's something I think that would push him to getting drafted versus probably free agent. Well, I guess if you're going to talk about special teams, and we know that uh, we have Jeff Fiegel's co-hosting today, so special teams is always going to be a part of the conversation. Yep. I, wonder, I wonder if your fullback down there, Tory Carter, might yep. have some potential. Yeah, I think the right setup with Tory Carter, who played a ton his freshman and sophomore year, you know, because they, they had more of an H-back role, and, and he's the one that suffered when Brady came in. And brought the Saints offense, and they only used him in spot places. Uh, he can catch a football in space. He's a tremendous special teams player, and you know he, he can give you. He can be a straight line fullback guy for you. So you know their teams. And I know the New Orleans Saints still carry a uh, a fullback type. You know, probably third day selection or free agent signing. I love him. He and, and he's a guy that's you know he reminds you like the ultimate warrior. He's going to paint his face. He's going to get after people. <laughs> Um, his dad played for Georgia Southern. I forgot his his dad had a nickname over at Georgia Southern, and a lot of SEC schools, you know, obviously, aren't playing fullbacks, and it really didn't offer him. So he played with a chip on his shoulder the whole time. Great kid, great effort. Uh, he's definitely worth a look. See, terrific information coming from radio sideline reporter for the LSU Tigers and former defensive back for that program, Gordy Rush. Gordy, thank you so much for your time. Your information, as always, is terrific, and we wish you a continued health down there. Thank you, Gordy. Okay, guys, take care now. Thank you. Thank you.
the LSU Tigers uh, are are one of those powerhouse programs of the last several years, Jeff. Sure. It's just that I mean they're churning out pro prospects like I pancakes. Know. I was going to ask Gordy. Um, I was just going to ask him real quickly. You know what's in the pipeline? I mean, it seems to be that oh. the best that the best receivers between Alabama and LSU every single stinking year. There's people coming out of the of the schools, and I was just curious, like if what they got in the pipeline is receivers coming out of there again. You know, I mean, you look about Landry and OBJ. I mean, you guys, it's just the list just keeps going on and on. Well, you know, the the funny part about this is Jeff, and you know, we sometimes ignore guys who because there are so many other great players ahead of them on the depth chart, all of a sudden the guy's draftable and people are like, well, I don't know who he is. Well, sure. Well, that's because there wasn't enough footballs to go around that's when right. he was in college. Yeah, no no question. And, and I think that, you know, a prime example is just look at Alabama's roster and look at every year. These guys, they, they really only get one or two-year starters there because they, this there's so much, and I mentioned the pipeline, there's just so much – good talent behind these southeastern conference schools that uh you know you're you're very rarely are going to get a a guy that starts for you for for four years there's just no way so uh depth is good recruiting you know you look at where they're at um lsu you know being close to florida they get a lot of recruits from there and and certainly it's from louisiana so they don't have to go very far when in alabama so they don't have to go very far for recruiting and they get some really good good players our phone number is 973-667-1960, 973-667-1960. Remember, no show on Friday, April 2nd, because it's Good Friday. The office and the studio are closed, but we will be back, of course, on Monday. Limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits also include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. And don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full season locations are available. We'll place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Jeff, uh, yesterday, John Mara, Giants co-owner, addressed the media in a a Zoom call, kind of previewing uh, what was going to happen during the course of the draft, as well as a review of how the Giants did in free agency. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the whole thing, but I'm sure you're aware of some of the highlights of his conversation. He, He, again, threw more support behind Daniel Jones, talked about the importance of adding offensive firepower to give him a chance to succeed, talked about spending money in free agency because they were good fits Mm -hmm. in terms of what the Giants needed, and quite honestly, he is tired of losing and does expect this team to take a jump this year. Although he would not necessarily predict the playoffs, he said that's always our hope that we are going to make the playoffs. And then I think the last thing that that I really took out of it was he did mention that signing uh, Galladay did take away some of the impetus to try to find a game-breaking receiver in the first and second rounds of the draft and that they can purely go 
on best athlete available. Now, we've mm-hmm. always been told that that's the way the Giants like to go, but that need component is always part of the equation. John Mara himself yesterday saying, no, no, the need component, not so much now in the first and second rounds. I thought that was a rather enlightening statement, being that the Giants never really address the need component when they talk about making draft picks. Yeah, I'll start there. I mean, I feel like, you know, and kind of what one of the things that I took out of the interview yesterday, I read the transcripts and something that kind of hit home with me a little bit is that the way that he had mentioned that how free agency kind of just evolved this year, I, that they, their plan wasn't originally, to, I don't think, to go out and spend like they did, Paul, that all of a sudden now there was just some things that were just available that they took advantage of. And the next thing they know, here they were sitting there spending all this money to get these players. And now that has turned into what you had just mentioned, you know, not the need to go out and find a playmaker at the wide receiver position. So what does that do for this team at the 11th pick, in my opinion? Well, you and I have talked about it. John and I have talked about it. Lance and I have talked about it. But Dave Gettleman hasn't done it very often, if not any time, is trade down possibly, you know, at that 11th pick because the need component may not be there. Then maybe you go and get yourself another third-round pick, a late second-round pick for somebody wanting to come up to that 11th position to get a player that they want. That mm-hmm. could be part of it. You never know. I'm just no, throwing I, that out I, there. I, I don't think there's any doubt. And as Lance likes to remind us all the time, and again, folks, please give us a call if you'd like to, 973 973- Six six seven nineteen sixty, as Lance likes to say all the time, you you can't uh, predict injury, and mm-hmm. you know okay. So the Giants now have two boundary corners. How do you know that both of them are going to play sixteen games? Mm-hmm. So do you need to address the corner spot with pick number eleven? Mm-hmm. Understanding there are times not only when you have three corners on the field at once, sometimes you have to have four. Well, they they addressed it a little bit in free agency the other day. <laughs> they they signed a couple guys. I guess that's official. I don't I don't want to step out of line here. Is it you know with the two guys that reportedly were signed by the Giants, Joshua as it Kalu and Chris Milton, two defensive backs from from uh, Tennessee, right? Right. I mean, right. They 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 added a couple of of lesser known products sure. the other day. I mean, they're depth. That's I depth, mean, I, right? I, I'm I'm going to assume more for special teams. Sure. I don't necessarily well, know if these guys are going to fight for defensive snaps. Well, depth, just in case, like you said. You know, I mean, you got to have you got to have a lot of them. So, um, the what the Giants do not want to do is fall into that trap that they always have is going into the season hoping that they're the guys are healthy, and the next thing you know. Uh, injuries start to creep up, and they have no depth at that position to, to really, to really, it would really hurt you defensively because that defense is going to be good next year. It really is. So, um, but yeah, you know the listen, and, and with what's been happening, Paul, when we t- when we talk about all these mock drafts coming out now, and you know there's a lot of talk about Mac Jones moving up the draft board, and maybe he might be that third or fourth pick now, and you know all these quarterbacks could be go in the top five, six picks. Well, you know, like we talked about the other day, this stuff, all these players get pushed down, and maybe one of those cornerbacks is there at 11. You never know. And I, I would not, I would not just, I would not balk at the idea of taking with one of those cornerbacks is there at 11 to build your depth. Because um, you need three, right, Paul? You've got to mm-hmm. have three corners. You sure really you do. do. Every team has to have three starting corners that they feel are, are legit. Right now, the Giants have two of them, if you will. They're still looking for a third, in my opinion. Well, the, the problem that we have is we do not know how the coaches evaluate the upside for Darnay Holmes 
And yeah. also, quite honestly, do yeah. they think that Julian Love can also do that job if called upon? Sure. If they believe in both of those players, Which I think then they've they do. got four corners, don't they? They do. They do. I, th- I think, but, you know, at an 11th pick, a cornerback that's going to be coming, you know, at that high of a pick is certainly going to automatically be a little bit elevated above both those guys. Um, but Although they'll have a rookie curve. They will have a rookie you curve. Know. And, you know, those two guys played a lot last year, especially Darnay. I mean, I, I feel like he's a guy that we were very excited about him uh, going into training camp and coming into the 20 season, and uh, he certainly didn't disappoint. Um, he actually got better as the season went along, and, you know, he's a football guy. He's a smart dude. And I think that, you know, when we talk about this all the time, when you are evaluating these players, one thing that you see a lot out of these guys is this football acumen, right, the IQ. That is a huge intangible in today's football world. You, you at, at this level, a lot of times I will take a guy that has that IQ that football IQ above a guy that has so much talent because I know that nine out of ten times he's going to be in the right place. And whether he makes the play or not, I don't care. I just know that he'll be there and there will not be a big play made on him. You know what I'm saying? So I think a lot of times these guys that are drafted uh, that come with this very intelligent IQ – can really, really help them at this level, no matter what position it is, but certainly at the defensive back position. That's a very good one. I mean, you, got, you know how these guys change. They're changing stuff constantly. You know, the routes that are running across, they're crossing routes. There's all kinds of stuff. The defense is disguising coverages. they got to get back into it quickly. And if you're lost, like a ball in high grass, like I told you that story, that ain't going to happen. You're not going to be on the field if you don't know where you're supposed to be. 973-667-1960. Referring to that comment that you just made, Jeff, and I don't think enough of people really understand the implications of what you just said, that a player – no, I, I mean oh, this. Yeah, when yeah. You, a, you need to have confidence that a player is going to be in the right spot. And the reason is this. It's not just if a guy busts a coverage. Because if a guy busts a coverage, that's one thing. It happens. But on the football field, what usually happens is if a guy can't be reliable – and counted on to be where he's supposed to be, then one of his teammates is going to try to cover up for him. And then that second guy is also going to be out of position. Yep. Trickle and that effect. becomes a double problem. And that's when your defense really starts to break down. Yeah. You know, a long time ago, you might remember this name. Um, I, when I was with the Philadelphia Eagles, it was a guy, there was a defense, a safety named Terry Hogue. Sure. Um, okay, so Terry ran. He was from he, Georgia, right? Yes, 100%. Nice, nice, Paul. Um, he was a guy that, you know, with the Buddy Ryan 46 defense, you had to have a guy back there that knew what was going on because that was a very complex defense to run. And, and Terry Hogue was not the most athletic guy, but he was a Rhodes Scholar. I mean, the guy was a brilliant, brilliant player. And I remember them talking about this all the time. It, of course, at this time in my career, I had no – it didn't really make sense to me because all I was caring about was making the football team and punting footballs. I could care <laughs> less about anybody else's position. But they always said about Terry Hogue, they just said the guy was so smart that he was always in the right position. He was always making plays because he was there but was not the most physically gifted guy. But he also helped the other players get in their positions, and that's why those Eagle defenses back in the day were pretty darn good. 
973-667-1960. Before we get to the phone calls, just want to remind Giants fans, you can get a Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants-branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC, we go to the phones. And Martin from Wisconsin, your nice. first on the show. Hey, Martin. Hey, how's it going? Good. Hi. Good, good. Hey. Hey. Uh, it's about the fourth time I've called on the show. Um, the, the one thing that I wanted to talk about to you guys is who I really think we should really try to get at that 11th pick. And I really think if one of those Alabama receivers are there, we should go ahead and take them. Uh, and the reason why is, is as follows. All of the receivers we have, including Galladay, have had issues with injuries. And I'd rather to us have a, that big of a problem to deal with. I'd rather have too much than too little. Um, there's enough offensive linemen in the draft that we can go get a top-tier guard in the second or third round. What are you guys' thoughts well, I think one thing that, that you've just already hit a very sore spot, I think, for everybody who's been around the Giants for the last 10 years or maybe even longer than that, is that you're correct. How many Giants wide receivers have really been able to go through their entire career productive and healthy? Even Amani Toomer had two major knee surgeries early in his career before he went on to become the most prolific receiver in Giants history. Look at all of the other terrific receivers they've had, the Steve Smiths, the Beckhams, um, the uh, Hakeem Nixes, the Victor Cruzes. I mean, it, it's just it's one Red Cross list after another of injuries that have impacted that position for the Giants. Plexico Burris wasn't an injury on the field, but it was an injury. And so you are right about the hard luck that they have been hit with at the wide receiver position. And Paul, how so, about Steve Smith, too? I, I mentioned him oh, at the I, beginning. I'm sorry. I, I missed that's you okay. say Steve. No, that's cool. I, I, how about Dominic Hickson? Who how about all two ACLs? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's a long list. It, it's a long, long, long list of Giants receivers <laughs> who have been sidetracked by injury. So, Martin, I'm sensitive to your remark, and I understand it. Uh, logic would, would tell you that. Maybe you shouldn't be so scared, but the jinx seems to be in when it comes to Giants receivers. Jeff, I, I look, you, you've been around this organization. Well, I, you've yeah, seen it. I think that it's a little bit more hyper here because we're around it. But I think if you really look at the position as a whole around the, around the league, um, you know, these guys are – the way that they, they run these days and they train – um, these are like, you know, these guys are thoroughbreds, man. And they, they have, uh, they've got, it's just part of the product. It's just the way that they run and how they play the game at the position. I think in today's world is it's, it's very difficult for anyone to play straight through 16 games as a, as a wide receiver running, you know, I don't know how many plays they play, but it's gotta be, you know, a lot, uh, in the hundreds and hundreds of them. So I just well, think that it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, and well, Jeff, even Slayton and Shepard, you know, their, their current starters have had to miss games. Sure. Or, or Slayton's played hurt. He's missed well, a couple. Shepard's even missed more. Yeah, the concussions with Shepard. Um, you know, it's just it's a physical game. And I don't think it's, uh, you know, it is it is ironic that when we go down that list and I, you know, when you start to think about it, my goodness, and John bring up, I mean, there there is a lot of names on that list for the Giants. So, um, you know, and I don't know if it's the way that these guys it's got to has to do something with 
training. Um, I don't think it's anything that they that they're not or they are doing with the organization. I just think it's all their body structure, how they're made up. So, Martin, I would say to you, I understand your fear because of the sure. jinx and the hex. If they took one, you could absolutely understand that they would. Now, as far as the the interior offensive line, which, you know, I think if they're going to take offensive line, and I do think they will address it at some point in the first three rounds, I believe it will be a guard. I don't think it's going to be a tackle. I don't think it's going to be a center. I think it's going to be a guard if it's going to be Mm -hmm. one. There are definitely guards that you're going to be able to get by the end of the second day. Now, I don't necessarily know if I'd go third day, but I think in rounds two or three, there will be guards who are going to be virtually plug-and-play guys. But I also feel that way about the receivers. So if you wanted to take the guard at 11 and a receiver at 42 um, or go vice versa, I don't necessarily think you're going to do badly with that. I've been telling people this, and, Jeff, I want you to follow up here before we let Martin go. Mm -hmm. I think the Giants will get – a player at each of these four positions by the time the draft is over. How high and where, I don't know that, that I can put my finger on it, but I think they'll, they'll wind up with a guard. They will wind up with another corner. I believe they will take some type of pass rusher, and I do believe they will take a running back. Mm. Now, whether or not they take a receiver – I think the only thing that would prevent me from doing that if I were the Giants Mm -hmm. is that I do kind of like the fact that they brought John Ross in. I know he's been injured before. I do like the fact that they brought Pettis in last year, and they signed him to a new deal for this year. Mm -hmm. I think think people are forgetting about Dante Pettis. I think he can compete for for the fourth and fifth spots on the wide receiver depth chart. And I also – I I don't want to – I don't want to forget Austin Mack, who I think is a really terrific possession receiver and did not get much chance last year. I think he is also going to be terrific depth, uh, even if he's practice squad. So I kind of think the Giants have some numbers at receiver, but I would not blame them if they took one. Jeff, yeah. your take. Well, my take on the wide receiver, when you start going down the list, you know, there's, there's going to be how many? We're talking six max, okay? Um, and, you know, right off the top, you've got your starting three. Um, so then you've got who are the other backup three that you just mentioned? Okay, you got Pettis, you got Ross. You got to make, got to believe that those guys are going to make the team. There's five there, and then who is your sixth, seventh, and eighth guy? Okay, so where uh, I think that I think you're right on. I think that now with Galladay, that there's not a reason to go anybody real, real high unless they they really, really want to. But um, I think they're okay at the wide receiver position, and I will agree with you there. What I will disagree with you with is I believe that. I believe that Booker is their guy, and I think that they, they, they've stuck with him. I actually like him. I think he's a good, a good addition to this team at running back, and so I don't know if they'll go there with a the running back. I think that maybe the defensive tackle will probably be one where they will go with rather than a rusher for me. Um, and let's see, one, two, three. And then I think they've got to go interior offensive line somewhere, center. I think they'll do center. I think they might do a center. There might be All a right, Martin, what do you think? Oh, hey, <laughs> I, 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 I think we create competition in the room and we don't settle just because we got a high uh, yeah. free agent. I, I just don't. I think we're putting all of our chips in the middle of the table right now, you can tell. And w- another thing I want to talk about, if you, if you give me one second, please. Sure, um, Nate Soldier, 
if he is listening, okay, I just want to say thank you to him for restructuring his contract. I love what these players are doing. You can see the commitment from these players on the team. And some of the nasty things that I'm seeing some Giants fans say about Nate, I would ask them to please be kinder with your words. I had a son that passed away. I've told you guys this before. I had a son that passed away last April 18th um, to uh, pediatric cancer. And he was 18 months old, died in my arms. And just from a life perspective, let's be kinder. This guy is totally committed to this team to restructure his contract, to take way less money. And I just want to say to him, I honor his commitment and, and salute to all these players that are restructuring their contracts. Vaughn, nice. as always, as yeah. always, we hope strength to your family uh, as you sure. continue to go day by day through that. And and I also might add to you that I have always been extremely sensitive on this program to Solder's issues, not just his family issues, because God knows what his son is going through is Herculean. And, and, and it must weigh on Nate every single day of his life and his whole family. But in addition to the mental and emotional pain, this man has gone through a tremendous amount of injuries that, that most people don't even know about. Yep. 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 Thank good you, call. Martin. Appreciate call, the call. Martin. Yeah, good call. Thank you. Yeah, you know, it's uh, – and these guys, they and Martin brings up a good point, you know, um, a lot of these guys, a lot of the fans don't understand – uh, what it what it comes down to when you want to keep playing in this league, you have to make sacrifices, and those sacrifices a lot of times aren't just for your team. It's sacrifices at home. It's mm-hmm. sacrifices for your children, your wives, things that happen. And so, yeah, you do need to lighten up a little bit because these are human beings. They're regular people like you and I, Paul, and that you know they're just doing the best they can. Yeah, they make a lot of money, and it's really easy to throw things around on social media and stuff like that. But like Martin said, you know. This is a this is a this is a grown man with a family and having going through the things that he does. Uh, a lot of us have no idea how much of a sacrifice that he makes for his family and this team. You know, speaking of of guys being human beings and the extra intangible of the human element that most people kind of forget about often. Mm-hmm. John Mayer was also asked about Dowlin Tomlinson sure. yesterday, yeah, and and Landon Collins kind of came up in the conversation too, as quality second-round draft picks who did not re-sign with the team. And John Mara's response was, and I quote him on this, broke my heart to see them go. But in paraphrasing, he added that the Giants had to make cold, hard business decisions because of the salary cap. And then he also added something else, and I thought this was interesting. And again, I'm paraphrasing. He said that uh, that feeling of, of, of loyalty and of con- commitment to, to those homegrown players played into the thoughts of not trading them when the when the trading deadline came about in each of those seasons because there was concern that it would send a bad message to the locker room. Wow. And it goes to show you that it's not just a cut and dried business all the time. Yes, during the offseason, it's cut and dry. It's black and white. Where can we put our dollars? Mm-hmm. How many roster spots have to be filled? Where is our depth? Where are the needs? Where's the draft going to help? Those things are, are, are pretty hardcore, very difficult decisions that have to be made. But then there's that intangible decision, which John talked about in season, when having to deal with the potential of, well, should we or should we not trade this guy? And what are the ramifications of it? 
And John, John was, you could see, he was very moved as he talked about it yesterday. This is not something he took very lightly. Yeah, it is. It, and again, like he said, there's just the business side of sports. Um, and every, every, you know, sports franchise has to deal with this. And, um, you know, Landon was a, a heck of a locker room guy, very well liked in the community. And it's just, you know, it came down to the business. And Paul, you, you just can't keep everybody. You can't. Um, and it's just unfortunate. But, you know, the good thing about it, and I mean, I'm talking for, for Dalvin and also for um, Landon, is that they were able to move on and, and do well. You know, so uh, there's a lot of times when, you know, these, there's cuts made for some of these guys. You don't want to let them go maybe later in their career. You know, they played a while, they're veterans, and now you got to let them go, and they don't get another job. So I think that all of us, including me, understand or understood, I should say, that the, the, the business side of it can get ugly, but also the business side of it can be lucrative for these guys too. I don't mean to poo-poo this at all. I don't want you to think I'm doing that. But there's both sides to it, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and I know that Dalvin didn't want to leave here. I'm sure he wanted to stay. Same with Landon. Landon didn't want to leave here either. But when you're forced to go, you got to go. And you just hope that you can go get another job and, and do well. And both of them landed on their feet, and they're going to have great careers. Both great guys. Both of them just outstanding players and just were great giants. That's for sure. 973-667-1960. We go back to the phones. Kevin from Comac, you're next on the show. Hello. Hi, Kevin. Hey, guys. How are you? Um, I'm going to make this quick because i got to get back to work. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Hey, hey, what are you going to do? I wish I had your job. Um, (laughs) But anyway, um, offensive line. Sure. I actually believe we need to take two within the first three, maybe four rounds. Paul, correct me if I'm wrong. Do we have a backup center on the roster right now? Yeah, it would be uh, Jonathan Harrison, who, uh, uh, who Jets, who's right? played with the Colts the and the Jets, yep. and Zach Fulton, who they just picked up last week from the Texans, Play also spent one year as a center with the Chiefs. Okay. All right, All right. so we have a little bit more depth there than I thought. But I, but I think we're kind of rolling the dice with the pair Lemieux-Hernandez combo. I'd love to see us add another guy that could maybe play both tackle and guard, slide someone in as the starter. If we have well, does Slater one. from Northwestern kind of tickle your fancy? Oh, that, that, that's my guy. <laughs> that's my guy because, you know, he kind of provides us a little bit of insurance in a couple different spots. Yeah. And maybe like a Dave deal down the line, you move him out to tackle. Uh, but like I said, I got to get back to work. My other one is just a comment. Stop taking Charlie's phone calls. He's just trolling you guys at this point. <laughs> we can't control it, him. It really, honestly, I shut the I shut the show up when he comes on. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, because of the setup we have, and John does a great job with this out of his basement, we don't have a screen. We don't have a, we can't screen calls like we used to. So uh, yeah, it's his phone number. Thanks for taking my call, guys. <laughs> Thank You're you. Welcome. Be well. <laughs> You know, I, I, I tell you the one thing that uh, that he just mentioned, Kevin was talking about the offensive line. And, you know, Jeff, yes, they brought in a couple of veterans. Yes, they've got Lemieux and they've got Hernandez. These are all guys for the interior. For, for the tackle spot, we believe that Thomas is going to be the left tackle. We believe that Solder and Parrott, between the two of them, one of them is going to win the right tackle spot and the other guy is going to be the swing guy. Now, I don't know. Do they really need coverage in the tackle spot with those three fellows already on the roster? Or can they just say, you know what, if you're going to draft somebody, 
draft an interior guy who could you know possibly play center or guard. Yeah, I like that. I do. I like That's that. the way I lean, but sure. I, I appreciate I appreciate Kevin's viewpoint. I mean, you don't you also don't know injury wise, uh, you know how long Solder is, uh, you know, going to be available to you because, again, he has been so badly banged up, and he's coming off of an opt-out season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, look, I'm not trying to jinx anybody, but he hasn't been hit in a year. Well, you don't know that. He might have been hit at home. <laughs> One of his kids might oh, have thrown a toy at him. His, but... his, his, kids, his kids may be trying to beat him up on an edge rush. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> no, but, I know no, I mean, that. seriously. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's I know. Not a, he's not in football shape. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, you're right. He's been out of football for a while. Um, but, you know, it's, it'll get back to him. They're gonna, that's what training camp's for and all the, all the off-season stuff, if, if it happens. I mean, at this point, we don't know what's going on. Yeah. But, well, actually, um, we, we do know something. I, I understand uh, that uh, the teams have, in fact, as they continue, they just had two days of owners' meetings, as you're aware of. Oh, and yeah, talking, the rule changes. They're, they're talking about some rules changes, <laughs> but, I, but I also understand there is, a, there is a, uh, um, an understanding that, you know, the virtual season will continue through, through the off season, and that we did see the ratification of the 17-game schedule. I know they talked about this on the show yesterday. You did not have an opportunity to comment. The 17-game schedule <clears throat> is in. The Giants will face the Miami Dolphins on the road mm-hmm. in that extra game. And the three preseason games that the league and the owners wanted, they got it. Mm-hmm. And and despite <clears throat> some pushback from the players, uh, no, we are going to have three preseason games. Your thoughts? Woo. Well, listen, um, all I can say is, you know, being from the the uh, Players Association stuff that we've talked about for years and years, you know, the players, all they ever wanted was a piece of the pie, the big piece of the pie, okay, because you know that this league is very rich. Um, when this was discussed last season, the CBA and the 17th game, they made it, they made it that if it went to a 17th game, that, that, that the players were going to get a, a bigger pie, a piece of the pie. So that's a good thing, okay? So I'll start with that because um, the players want as much money as they can get and they want to make it as much as they can as, as long as they can. So that's a good thing. I think that a negative is, is that, that that 17th game, okay, is that there's always risk for injury again like you always play. Um, but the good thing about it, and, and again, I keep mentioning about money because, Paul, a lot of this has to do with money. Players like to play the game, but they also like to get paid. Well, I don't know how – well, now they're going to get one eighteenth. They're going to get a, an extra paycheck out of this, which is a good thing, because I will tell you that – and a lot of people may not know this. In preseason, okay, I made the same amount of money as, as Eli Manning did for four weeks. Those preseason games, everybody gets paid the same, and it's not a lot of money. I'm telling you. Uh, I, I think when I was playing, it might have been $1,500 a game, okay, um, compared to what these guys make in the regular season. That's, that's peanuts. So they are going to get an extra game at the, at the, you know, the 18th week. So that's a good thing. Um, I think that a lot of guys are going to – they don't want it, they don't like it because of just the way that it's, it's tough on their body. It's another regular season game. Um, but the preseason games, where, what game now it was going to be? Is it going to be that second game now, Paul, that the, is the dress rehearsal? What do you, what's your take on that? You think? Well, that to me is the biggest question that yeah. is yet to be answered. I don't know which one it's going to be now. So 
is it the third one? I mean, it's kind of hard to be the second one, right? But it almost has to because you want to have a break going into the regular season because of now it's been pushed back to an, an extra game. So well, how about this? I think that there's going to yeah. be some staggered, uh, uh, staggered uh, instructions given by the coaches. I don't think every coach around the league is going to be standard in this. Well, Paul, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're going to – in almost effect, eliminate the fourth preseason game and have a two-week gap between the last preseason game and the start of the regular season? Or are they going to move all the games up and then shorten camp by a week because there's one fewer preseason game? We haven't seen those dates yet, John. Yeah, so because I think that impacts sure. it, right? I think. Well, there was just... a date that the, the regular season started on, I think it was September 9th, right? Yeah, but right. we haven't seen the preseason schedules yet. Okay, so right. you know. don't know when that is going to start. Right. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, John's yeah, saying yeah. they could back it up. Yeah, so yeah. my point here, Paul, is that if that third preseason game is still two weeks before the start of the regular season, could you play your regulars? That might be your dress rehearsal anyway. You know right. what I mean? It's yeah. possible. Again, yeah. I, I, John, there's, there's still some stuff here that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we got a All few right. minutes left on the show. We can go back to the phones. Gordon from Binghamton. I'm taking uh, that's New York, right, Gordon? Mm-hmm. You're next on the show. Uh, Yes, sir. Hey, nice to talk to y'all. Uh, you pleasure too. Pleasure listening too. to you guys every week. <laughs> Thank you. Um, called in. Uh, I've uh, never really reached out before. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about something Judge said when he kind of first came out and really, you know, assessing his players and using them to his strength and bringing people on board that, that can continue, you know, or perpetuate a cycle of playing to strength. We've talked a lot about the big names. Um, yeah, I was kind of wondering if we could touch base a little bit on like the Raglan, the Shelton, um, mm-hmm. forget the guy's name from Minnesota. Jeff knows it this time. Randolph. So I'll let him say it. Rudolph. Um, Rudolph. Oh, no, no, not, Rand- not Rudolph. Oh. Um, Go ahead, Jeff. Come on. No, um, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Adenabo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I got to practice I was just that, wondering, right? you know, what are. What are some of the strengths? How do you guys expect that Judge will leverage that? And do you think that's kind of these ads are, you know, perpetuating that, that cycle of, hey, he might not do everything all right, but let me grab this guy that really excels at this, and this is the situation we're going to use him in. And uh, I'm excited because I feel like that was the picture he said coming in, and I see some of these ads really doing exactly that. But uh, thank you, guys. Okay, sure thing. Well, I guess the first comment that has to be made is all of these guys are really good locker room guys. Mm-hmm. They're all smart football players, and they're all team-first football players. And I, I know that to some people that's lip service. It's not to this coach, no. and it's not to this general manager. No, Those things are critical. So let me just get that out of the way first. I don't know if you have any specifics on just, these players. Well, but go ahead, Jeff. Well, I just want to comment on that. See, here's the thing. We, we saw and we talked about Coach Graham, about his multiple, about, you know, so you got to have that. You got to have smart football players. You got to have guys that you can trust that are going to be in positions to make plays. And I'm going to put you in that position because, you know, I brought you in here to do this. You can't do it all. But I'm gonna, I want you to do this. So you're going to be multiple. You're gonna, I'm going to put you in this situation here. But I got to have you understand the system. Okay, I can't have you come in here and just, just screw it up for me. So that's why you're seeing what you're seeing. And I, I think it just makes sense to me. So go ahead, Paul. I just wanted to mention that real quickly. All right. Well, let, let's address some of these players uh, in our closing minutes here, unless we get a new caller at 973-667-1960. Quickly, Danny Shelton. 
Uh, obviously, a connection to Judge with the Patriots mm-hmm. was last year with the Lions. He is a first and second down nose tackle. Yep. He will be in competition with Austin Johnson to fill the early running down plays that used to be dominated by Dalvin Tomlinson. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Get a little now, rotation of those guys. You're taking a little step back. Sure. They're not as good as Tomlinson, but I think they're good enough. You're getting two. You're getting two for what one person could have should did in the past, right? Okay, so that that's that's one spot. I think the other guy he mentioned was uh, Adenabo from oh. the Vikings. Okay, he is a pass rusher. That's mm-hmm. what he does. Okay, he is a tweener who comes off the edge. And, you know, when he is a complimentary pass rusher, as he was a couple of years ago for the Vikings, he had almost a handful of sacks. Last year, when he did not become a complimentary, he was supposed to be their primary. He just got gobbled up because teams were able to pay attention to him. Mm-hmm. So now he becomes a supplemental pass rusher in the Giants scheme because they believe, obviously, that they're going to get another double-digit sack season out of Leonard Williams. So that's how he fits. Um, let's see, who else did Good he point. ask about? Reggie. He asked about Reggie Ragland. Ragland. Yeah. Reggie Ragland, yeah. smart football player, connection to Alabama. Gee, <laughs> I wonder how that works. Uh, smart football player. It's okay, uh, though. <laughs> he's had experience you, you, in the league. Uh, he, is, he is limited. You know, he's not going to be great in coverage, but yeah. he's another guy who's going to help the depth on the interior of that linebacking core next to Blake Martinez. Yeah, yeah. He'll and play, I guess uh, the – go ahead, I'm sorry. He'll play special teams too. You'll see him on all the special teams. You know, right. And he's, and he's adept. You know, one of those guys at linebacker position, uh, you know, health is always an issue at LB. I mean, those guys can – it's hard to stay healthy. So you got to have a good rotation in there, and he's a valuable backup. Um, I don't see him as a starter, but I see him as a special teams guy and a guy that will fill in. And then I guess, well, we already addressed Fulton uh, earlier as mm-hmm. one of the offensive line guys we were talking about to supply some depth up there and potential competition. I guess the only other guy of recent vintage who's come in recently that, that he's probably talking about who could be finding his way in a competition for snaps might be Ryan Anderson, the uh, strong side linebacker from Washington. And, you know, if you know anything about the Washington team, they've had some pretty good edge rushers the last couple of years and so he's been buried on their depth chart and he's another guy he played with Ragland on Alabama's championship team uh, several years ago and so again there's that Saban Alabama connection smart guy bulldog of a mentality hard worker gets after it you know we, we will see the, these are the kinds of guys these underpriced less expensive veterans mm-hmm. that the Giants have brought in that they believe will kind of help the fabric of their overall team. They're not asking these guys to come in and be stars. No, real quickly, Paul. The, if you notice you, you mentioned Alabama, 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 okay? Well, what you're men- what, what's happening here is that, so Joe Judge, he runs a tight ship, right? He runs practice this way. Well, guess what? That's the way that they ran practice in New England. That's the way they run practice in Alabama. So he goes out and gets all these guys that are in out from Alabama and that thinks they've been in New England because they know how to do things so that he's not going to have to teach them how to run a practice. They've already been doing this. So he's right. way ahead of the curve. So when they come in here, it's, hey, guys, it's like riding a bike. You remember how to do this drill, don't you? You remember how we used to do that. You did that at Alabama. You did that in New England. Well, guess what? You're going to do it here. 
that you got no problems with that. And it's like it's conformity. They're able to just get out on the practice field and all come together, and that's part of the process that we're talking about here. All right, let's quickly go back to the phone calls. Uh, Keith from Cranford, New Jersey, you're the final guy on the show. We'll give you two minutes. I'm sorry we're getting to you late. Hi, Keith. Hello. Hey, how you doing, guys? I think Good. you're doing a great how job you? there, guys. Thank you. And uh, what I wanted to say is that I'm very pleased with the what they did with the uh, uh, free agency. I never thought they'd be able to get half these guys that they got. And um, the way they did the contracts, everything else, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm I really didn't expect them to do as well as they did, and that really does free them up to be able to do a lot more with the uh, draft, so they can get the best best people and sure. and fill fill the get some depth, and maybe even get a couple, two or three more guys that can really stand up and get things in there, you know, and do the right thing. Um, I I'm I'm really pleased. I'm I'm hoping that we can really make that big step into the playoffs this year. Keith, I think one thing I want to say, and, and, and I don't know, did you have another comment, or do you want us no, to comment it. on that? I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you guys, man. Okay, Thanks, thank you so much, Keith. Yeah. We'll, please please uh, call again another time. Briefly, uh, Jeff, my only comment about that is there are seasons where I've looked at the Giants roster, they're 53, and I've said, you know what, there's a good 8, 10, 12 guys on this roster that, you know, they're fringe guys. Mm-hmm. They're, they're uh, you know, they're just not really going to be contributors. And and I scratch my head and I say, well, geez, you know, they needed to find more talent. They needed to dig up some more guys because the back end of this roster is just not going to be very productive. Well, I look at the roster now, even before this draft, and I say, you know what? If I had to pick 53 guys, it's going to be a harder choice now. Because I do believe the back eight guys, 10 guys, 12 guys, this is going to be a group of guys who you have some feelings about. You think these guys can give you something. And I think that tells you that the Giants are a much better team. I just hope we have a training camp because I want to see the competition of these guys that you're talking about. I mean, I I feel like there's going to be a battle at every stinking position on this team. And it's going to be great. Because you know what's going to come out of it. You're going to come out of these competitors, guys that want to win. You know, uh, we talk about all the time where you know even the game that we did last weekend. Um, these guys compete for starting time on on uh, the defensive backs. You know, so there's, that's what you're going to see. Who's going, who's going to want to start this year? Who's going to want to be that right guard? Who's going to be this that? So it's going to be a great competition, and that's what you want to create from a football team uh, as a head football coach. You, you hear uh, Coach Judge say it all the time, I want competition, and you got it. I mean, you just go down and look at I was just looking at today. I didn't count them, but holy smokes, look at all the free agents that this team has signed this year. Mm-hmm. Paul, it is, I mean, it's unbelievable. Jeff, I mean, in it, short, you don't want to give away spots on the back of your roster by default because you just don't have anybody else. That's you a good want point. those guys to fight for those spots and earn them. Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, the guy that does earn it, you, you hope that the guy right behind him is a, is a quality backup where if he went out of the lineup for a week or he went out of the a lineup for the year, that you got a guy that you can plug and play. He's going to be right on the fringe of, of, of starting and get in there and play, and you got confidence in him. That's a good thing. But you can't do that unless you have quality backups and quality depth, and that's what this team is building. Good stuff. Jeff, great Thank to you, talk Paul. to you again. We'll be we talking again soon, folks. You got it. Hey, have a happy Thank- Easter. Yes, you too, my friend, and all the listeners out there. Big Blue Kickoff Live is heard every weekday live on Giants.com and the mobile app. 
from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time. 973-667-1960 is our phone number. A lot of new callers today. We appreciate you folks for chiming in. And we also thank LSU sideline reporter Gordy Rush, former defensive back with the Tigers, gave us some great preview on the Tigers draft prospects over the first 20 minutes of the program. For Jeff, I'm Dottino. We'll see you next time.